Chapter Thirty Three of the Uncommercial Traveler. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ginger Cucolo. The Uncommercial Traveler by Charles Dickens. Chapter Thirty Three. It fell out on a day in this last autumn that I had to go to town from London to a place of seaside resort, on an hour's business, accompanied by my esteemed friend Bullfinch. Let the place of seaside resort be, for the nonce, called Namelesston. I had been loitering about Paris in very hot weather, pleasantly breakfasting in the open air in the garden of the Palais Royal, or the Tuileries, pleasantly dining in the opium air in the Elysian fields pleasantly taking my cigar and lemonade in the open air on the italian boulevard towards the small hours after midnight bullfinch an excellent man of business has summoned me back across the channel to transact this sad hour's business at namelesston and thus it fell out that bullfinch and i were in a railway carriage together on our way to namelesston each with his return ticket in his waistcoat pocket says bullfinch i have a proposal to make let us dine at the Temeraire. I asked Bullfinch, did he recommend the Temeraire, inasmuch as I had not been rated on the books of the Temeraire for many years. Bullfinch declined to accept the responsibility of recommending the Temeraire, but on the whole was rather sanguine about it. He seemed to remember, Bullfinch said, that he had dined well there. A plain dinner, but good. Certainly not like a Parisian dinner. Here Bullfinch obviously became the prey of want of confidence, but of its kind very fair. I appealed to Bullfinch's intimate knowledge of my wants and ways to decide whether I was usually ready to be pleased with any dinner, or, for the matter of that, with anything that was fair of its kind and really what it claimed to be bullfinch doing me the honor to respond in the affirmative i agreed to ship myself as an able trencherman on board the temeraire now our plan shall be this said bullfinch with his forefinger at his nose as soon as we get to namelesston we'll drive straight to the temeraire and order a little dinner in an hour and as we shall not have more than enough time in which to dispose of it comfortably what do you say to giving the house the best opportunities of serving it hot and quickly by dining in the coffee-room what I had to say was, certainly. Bullfinch, who was by nature of a hopeful constitution, then began to babble of green geese, but I checked him in that Falstaffian vein, urging considerations of time and cookery. In due sequence of events we drove up to Temeraire and alighted. A youth in livery received us on the doorstep. "'Looks well,' said Bullfinch confidentially, and then aloud, "'Coffee-room!' The youth in livery, now perceived to be moldy, conducted us to the desired haven, and was enjoined by Bullfinch to send the waiter at once, as we wished to order a little dinner in an hour. Then Bullfinch and I waited for the waiter, until, the waiter continuing to wait in some unknown and invisible sphere of action, we rang for the waiter, which ring produced the waiter, who announced himself as not the waiter who ought to wait upon us, and who didn't wait a moment longer. So Bullfinch approached the coffee-room door, and melodiously pitching his voice into a bar where two young ladies were keeping the books of the Temeraire, apologetically explained that we wished to order a little dinner in an hour, and that we were debarred from the execution of our inoffensive purpose by consignment to solitude. 
hereupon one of the young ladies ran a bell which reproduced at the bar this time the waiter who was not the waiter who ought to wait upon us that extraordinary man whose life seemed consumed in waiting upon people to say that he wouldn't wait upon them repeated his former protest with great indignation and retired bullfinch with a fallen countenance was about to say to me this won't do when the waiter who ought to wait upon us left off keeping us waiting at last waiter said bullfinch piteously we have been a long time waiting the waiter who ought to wait upon us laid the blame upon the waiter who ought not to wait upon us and said it was all that waiter's fault we wish said bullfinch much depressed to order a little dinner in an hour what can we have what would you like to have gentlemen bullfinch with an extreme mournfulness of speech and action and with a forlorn old fly-blown bill of fare in his hand which the waiter had given him and which was a sort of general manuscript indexed to any cookery book you please moved the previous question we could have mock turtle soup a sole curry and roast duck agreed at this table by this window punctually in an hour i had been feigning to look out of this window but i had been taking note of the crumbs on all the tables the dirty tablecloths the stuffy soupy airless atmosphere the stale leavings everywhere about the deep gloom of the waiter who ought to wait upon us and the stomach-ache with which a lonely traveller at a distant table in a corner was too evidently afflicted i now pointed out to bullfinch the alarming circumstance that this traveller had dined we hurriedly debated whether without infringement of good breeding we could ask him to disclose if he had partaken of mock turtle sole curry or roast duck we decided that the thing could not be politely done and we had set our own stomachs on a cast and they must stand the hazard of the die i held phrenology within certain limits to be true i am much of the same mind as to the subtler expressions of the hand i hold physiognomy to be infallible though all these sciences demand rare qualities in the student but i also hold that there is no more certain index to a personal character than the condition of a set of casters is to the character of any hotel knowing and having often tested this theory of mine bullfinch resigned himself to the worst when laying aside any remaining veil of disguise i held up before him in succession the cloudy oil and furry vinegar the clogged cayenne the dirty salt the obscene dregs of soy and the anchovy sauce in a flannel waistcoat of decomposition we went out to transact our business so inspiriting was the relief of passing into the clean and windy streets of namelesston from the heavy and vapid closeness of the coffee-room of the temeraire that hope began to revive within us we began to consider that perhaps a lonely traveller had taken physic or done something injudicious to bring his complaint on bullfinch remarked that he thought the waiter who ought to wait upon us had brightened a little when suggesting curry and although i knew him to have been at that moment the express image of despair i allowed myself to become elevated in spirits as we walked by the softly lapping sea all the notabilities of namelesston who are forever going up and down with the changelessness of the tides passed to and fro in procession pretty girls on horseback and with detested riding-masters pretty girls on foot mature ladies in hats spectacled strong-minded and glaring at the opposite or weaker sex the stock exchange was strongly represented jerusalem was insolvency in a curricle to closely buttoned swindlery in doubtful boots 
on the sharp lookout for any likely young gentleman disposed to play a game at billiards round the corner masters of languages their lessons finished for the day were going to their homes out of sight of the sea mistresses of accomplishments carrying small portfolios likewise tripped homeward pairs of scholastic pupils two and two went languidly along the beach surveying the face of the waters as if waiting for some ark to come and take them off spectres of the george the fourth days flitted unsteadily among the crowd bearing the outward semblance of ancient dandies of every one of whom it might be said not that he had one leg in the grave or both legs but that he was steeped in grave to the summit of his high shirt collar and had nothing real about him but his bones alone stationary in the midst of all the movements the nameless boatman leaned against the railings and yawned and looked out to sea or looked at the moored fishing boats and at nothing such is the unchanging manner of life with this nursery of our hardy seamen and very dry nurses they are and always wanting something to drink the only two nautical personages detached from the railing were the two fortunate possessors of the celebrated monstrous unknown barking fish just caught frequently just cut off namelesston who carried him about in a hamper and pressed the scientific to look in at the lid the sands of the hour had all run out when we got back to the timory says bullfinch then to the youth in livery with boldness levitry when we arrived at the family vault with a skylight which the youth in livery presented as the institution sought we had already whisked off our cravats and coats but finding ourselves in the presence of an evil smell and no linen but two crumpled towels newly damp from the countenances of two somebody else's we put on our cravats and coats again and fled and washed to the coffee-room there the waiter who ought to wait upon us had set forth our knives and forks and glasses on the cloth whose dirty acquaintance we had already had the pleasure of making and which we were pleased to recognize by the familiar expression of its stains and now there occurred the truly surprising phenomenon that the waiter who ought not to wait upon us swooped down upon us clutched our loaf of bread and vanished with the same bullfinch with distracted eyes was following this unaccountable figure out at the portal like the ghost in hamlet when the waiter who ought to wait upon us jostled against it carrying a tureen waiter said a severe diner lately finished perusing his bill fiercely through his eyeglass the waiter put down our tureen on a remote side table and went to see what was amiss in this new direction this is not right you know waiter look here here's yesterday's sherry one and eight pence and here we are again two shillings and what does sixpence mean so far from knowing what sixpence meant the waiter protested that he didn't know what anything meant he wiped the perspiration from his clammy brow and said it was impossible to do it not particularizing what and the kitchen was so far off take the bill to the bar and get it altered said mr indignation cocker so to call him the waiter took it looked intensely at it didn't seem to like the idea of taking it to the bar and submitted as a new light upon the case that perhaps sixpence meant sixpence i tell you again said mr indignation cocker here's yesterday's sherry can't you see it one and eight pence and here we are again two shillings what do you make of one and eight pence and two shillings totally unable to make anything of one and eightpence and two shillings the waiter went out to try if anybody else could merely casting a helpless backward glance at bullfinch in acknowledgment of his pathetic entreaties for our soup tureen 
after a pause during which mr indignation cocker read a newspaper and coughed defiant coughs bullfinch arose to get the tureen when the waiter reappeared and brought it dropping mr indignation cocker's altered bill on mr indignation cocker's table as he came along it's quite impossible to do it gentlemen murmured the waiter and the kitchen is so far off well you don't keep the house it's not your fault we suppose bring some sherry waiter from mr indignation cocker with a new and burning sense of injury upon him the waiter rested on his way to our sherry stopped short and came back to see what was wrong now will you look here this is worse than before do you understand here's yesterday's sherry one and eightpence and here we are again two shillings what the devil does ninepence mean this new portent utterly confounded the waiter he wrung his napkin and mutely appealing to the ceiling waiter fetch that sherry says bullfinch in an open wrath and revolt i want to know persisted mr indignation cocker the meaning of ninepence i want to know the meaning of sherry one and eightpence yesterday and of here we are again two shillings send somebody the distracted waiter got out of the room on pretext of sending somebody and by that means got our wine but the instant he appeared with our decanter mr indignation cocker descended on him again waiter you will now have the goodness to attend to our dinner waiter said bullfinch sternly i am very sorry but it's quite impossible to do it gentlemen pleaded the waiter in the kitchen waiter said mr indignation cocker is resumed the waiter so far off that waiter persisted mr indignation cocker send somebody we were not without our fears that the waiter rushed out to hang himself and we were much relieved by his fetching somebody in graceful flowing skirts and with a waist who very soon settled mr indignation cocker's business oh said mr cocker with his fire surprisingly quenched by this apparition i wish to ask about this bill of mine cause it appears to me that there's a little mistake here let me show you here's yesterday's sherry one and eightpence and here we are again two shillings how do you explain ninepence however it was explained in tones too soft to be overheard mr cocker was heard to say nothing more than ah indeed thank you yes and shortly afterwards went out a milder man the lonely traveller with the stomach ache had all this time suffered severely drawing up a leg now and then and sipping hot brandy and water with grated ginger in it when we tasted our very mock turtle soup and were instantly seized with the symptoms of some disorder simulating apoplexy and occasioned by the surcharge of nose and brain with lukewarm dishwater holding in solution sour flour poisonous condiments and say seventy-five per cent of miscellaneous kitchen stuff rolled into balls we were inclined to trace his disorder to that source on the other hand there was a silent anguish upon him too strongly resembling the results established within ourselves by the sherry to be discarded from alarmed consideration again we observed him with terror to be much overcome by our souls being aired in a temporary retreat close to him while the waiter went out as we conceived to see his friends and when the curry made its appearance he suddenly retired in great disorder in fine for the unbeatable part of this little dinner as contradistinguished from the undrinkable we paid only seven shillings and sixpence each and bullfinch and i agreed unanimously that no such ill-served 
ill-appointed ill-cooked nasty little dinner could be got for the money anywhere else under the sun with that comfort to our backs we turned them on the dear old temeraire the charging temeraire and resolved in the scotch dialect to gang ne'er mare to the flabby temeraire end of chapter thirty three recording by ginger cuckolo washington d c